Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Tales from Travellers podcast. I'm your host Greg, and I'm here to find some incredible stories about seeing the world, escaping comfort zones, hearing some tips and tricks about travelling and exploration from those who have or are continuously travelling the world. So whether that be a week, month, year or decade, I'm aiming to find out more about the obstacles that they overcame, the prep work that goes into planning such a trip, what it's like discovering new cultures and making new friends that could last a lifetime, whilst also hearing about the job that feeds the journey or the journey that feeds the job. And we're also looking to find out what makes someone want to step out into the great wide open. So let's start another episode of Tales from Travellers. Returning to the show today is someone you might remember, Ellie. And now we've been following Ellie's journey since the inception from her time as an experienced Londoner looking to take the leap to the first time expats in the grand old north, the lumberjack country and the maple capital of the world, good old Canada. So in episode three of this new segment I'm calling Untangling the Canadian Knot, we're checking in on how Ellie has ventured in the last few months, finding out some advice for new travellers, the highs and maybe the lows, the next steps, and maybe even seeing if the goals have shifted. So, Ellie, people may have heard, but if not, could you give us a little rundown, just a little keynotes of where you are and how you got there? Yes, I absolutely can. I love the idea of it being keynotes. So I am currently living in Toronto in Canada. So I moved here on April the 11th earlier this year, which is, oh gosh, about five and a half months now, which is amazing and I lived in London in UK before and I just decided to make the move because I very unlike me applied for the visa on such a whim and at the time I didn't really have any ties in London I was kind of ready to have a bit of a fresh start and new experiences and I thought I will regret this if I don't do it because I quite serendipitously is that how you say it? serendipitously got the visa serendipitously (laughs) that was correct wasn't it So I got the visa just quite quickly, basically, and it just seemed almost too good to be true. So I decided to take a leap of faith and, yeah, move my life out here, transfer with my company that I was working for. And now I'm here just living, working and trying to make the most of every day, I guess. And I suppose in in that note, I know we're not too far into the the full year, but so far you've had... Mm. I mean, I, as I know, I follow you on Instagram just uh, for, for multiple years and you are Instagram nuts happy. You just love it. And I can't blame I you because some of the things you've seen are fantastic. I do. Um, yeah. That's true. I am nuts though on Instagram. You are. And I will say, we'll come on to it probably when I speak to Lottie, but I liked, I liked Lottie's first TikTok. You guys had a goal. You set out to do it. And gosh darn it, you achieved that goal of making a, a nice little TikTok. Mm, yeah, Lottie was like, can I make a TikTok of us? Because I don't actually have the app. I have a, I think I have two different accounts that I've made only when I've gone in to see other people's things they wanted me to see. Um, but I don't actually have it. So she just said, which account shall I tag? I was like, whatever comes up, I don't know. Um, but it made her happy to make it. And it was, it was quite a sweet little video. And I think it, yeah, it, it was really fun. It was really fun. So every now and then we'd be like, we need to do the TikTok dance then we can leave the location. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll just become an influencer now, Greg. I uh, can't imagine anything. Maybe, I mean, <laughs> you are getting there, but you know, I'd say I'd say to, so you can enjoy more of Canada, yeah, exactly. just stay away from TikTok. 
stay away. Hundred percent. I'm much more. I mean, with Instagram, I do a flurry of posts, but what I've actually done more recently is I try to then just delete the app for like a few days or a week or whatever, and just kind of you know just chill out because yes, I'm kind of doing lots of inventions and stuff, and I guess this kind of links into like maybe the shifting goals thing. But I am. I'm very much also just kind of living and working here as well. So it's not always exciting and, you know, doing adventures. A lot of the time I'm literally just kind of, you know, working, making dinner, going for a walk. So it's, um, yeah, I'm using, now that I'm a bit more settled, I'm trying to be less, do it more in bursts of all my content and then just kind of shy away a little bit, hide away. <laughs> that's probably the, the one really interesting thing that's with, with you in particular, you're talking about is it's, you're not, you're there to enjoy, you're there to travel, you're there to experience, yeah. but because you're working, you've got the job, you've been transferred. How, how do you find the kind of mixture of the the glamorous and fantastical elements of Canada alongside the more, say, I don't know, the mundane, Monday to Friday, nine to five of it, or is it quite a sharp contrast when 5pm hits? You know what, that's actually a really, good, a really, really good question, and I guess it's kind of an extension of yeah, what I just said before, but it's um, not to like be too repetitive, but it is very much that thing of, so you first arrive and obviously you're in kind of like, you know, the honeymoon bubble. And it's, especially for me, I was on my own for my first few weeks. Um, I wasn't working straight away, so I could just really utilize that and enjoy it and do lots of touristy things. Um, and then I got a job, which was a huge relief, obviously, to get my job and have money coming in, which then, you know, allowed me to be able to save money for stuff like Banff, which I've just done which was incredible. But then there's also the flip side of just, you know, I am here for another, I guess, like I'm coming back to the UK, ideally kind of next summertime, but I am just here in the time, within that time, as well as the trips that I want to do, just working day to day, just doing my job, um, just doing normal day to day things. And when people then say, you know, how is it? Is it, ama- is it amazing? What have you got up to? And it's like, well, this week I've actually just worked and I haven't, I've decided to have like a no spend weekend because I want to save up for, you know, this next trip. So I'm always, always budgeting. So day to day, I try and be quite frugal and just be good with my money so I can do things that I want to do. Like the Banff trip was amazing, but that was quite pricey. And I, don't have kind of quite a lot of my savings have obviously kind of gone now on accommodation and things like that so I just have to be it sounds quite boring but I do have to be quite frugal day to day in order to be able to still do the things in the future that I want to do so it's quite funny really when people you know like I have a couple of friends who are quite regular like oh my god is it amazing and I'm like yeah it's a great city but now it's kind of just my temporary home I guess so yeah but it's, it's good it's, it's nice to feel a little bit more settled I feel that for me, yeah, I feel much more at home and I feel like the honeymoon phase is gone, but not, not in like a negative way. I'm just barely, I guess, comfortable is the word, really. Yeah. And that actually brings me on to a question I really wanted to ask you. You mentioned that it's kind of like it's your home, it's your temporary home. Mm. Being there and being settled in, having the nine to five, but still going on adventures. How, if any, has your perspective on home changed? Because you, you're quite... You're quite a social, you're quite, you were quite a social London girl, but you had quite strong connections with your friends, your housemates, especially with your family down in Southampton. Are you, are you homesick for what is home in the UK or are you homesick for the people? Yeah. That's a really good question. You're whacking out the good questions. <laughs> I'm gonna have to the ones at the end. <laughs> I've, I've been really yeah, it's gonna say get all the good ones out early. Um, I think that is a really, really interesting question, and it's something that for me has kind of shifted a bit. And I think 
I have, so just to start, I have kind of made the decision not to go into like a long-term lease and actually go into a rental agreement. I've made the decision to, which I'd always kind of planned to do, to come back to the UK, um, which I'll be doing kind of next summertime. And until then, I've decided to do chunks of Airbnbs instead, because A, I can see new places, um, and B, it's actually worked out to be cheaper and gives me a little bit more money freed up to do trips and things like that. I'm still really expensive, (laughs) because nowhere is cheap. So for me, home isn't really a physical place as such. I think I make new homes for myself when I'm moving. I'm in my third Airbnb now in five months. Um, And that the original, I guess originally the idea of that was quite scary and daunting to me. I've always been very much a homebody. I'd love to have like my own nest, my own like space. Um, But I think doing this has taught me that home is more of a feeling and it is more about the people you're with because I have become, and it's a preference now for me presently for the time I'm in Canada to do, you know, the move around. And I actually quite look forward to when I, I mean, I'm happy where I am now, but my next Airbnb at the start of next year is on the totally other side of Toronto. So that would be a really fun adventure to stay there then for a few months. And then after that, I'm looking to maybe live in Montreal for like a couple of weeks or like a month or something. And then, potentially like one more trip and then come home but that doesn't that's not daunting to me anymore but what I find is difficult is yeah the people I miss I really really miss the people I miss I've become much more homesick recently so I not as I want to come home like tomorrow but there's certain people obviously that I would really like certain days I'm like I actually would just love to be with those people right now so I know the UK is, is where my, you know, my heart lies long term, but it, it's the people specifically. So I don't kind of sit and pine too much for the country. Um, I know I want to move back to London and that's like kind of like my favorite city and, and whatnot. But it is very much just thinking about the, yeah, the people I've kind of, sounds really dramatic, but the people I've left behind and that can be very tricky. Um but equally, you know, I've got two of my really close friends here, which I'm very lucky to have. Um, and I wanted to do this to be more of, I know it sounds a bit kind of antisocial, but I did want to do this trip more to enjoy my independence as well as, you know, be social when I want to be. Like, I'm not here to, you know, kind of totally root myself. I want to have that independence and have homes, I guess, to link back to the question, in different places and see and see different things before I do eventually go back to the UK and just like stop. This is like my last hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically oh, how I see it. So I, I know that's sorry, I kind of went slightly off piece there. Um, but yeah, home's definitely more of a feeling for me, I think. Oh. And I do miss that, you know, those people a lot for sure. <laughs> a lot of people do tend to find that they get this whole idea of getting it out of their system in a way. Like yeah, everyone kind of has that, I think, once in their life. They want to do something and obviously you're doing something really grand. Yeah, totally. And I think it's, I'm so glad I've done it. Like, there's no regrets. There's no kind of, God, I wish I didn't come out here. It's just, um, sometimes being away from something makes you appreciate it more. And I, I needed to get away. I needed change of scene. And I needed to push myself. And I've done all of those things. And I'm really proud of them, all of those things. And I'm sure I'll look back on this when I'm grey and old. Uh, touch wood, I get grey and old. <laughs> and, yeah, be, be really happy I did it, I think. I'm sure all your friends and family back home, like everyone else, just as excited that you're doing it and love the um, love the Instagram updates. Everyone's so there's not one person that hasn't been supportive. Um, I I feel very very lucky that everyone has been lovely about it. There are people that I chat to quite regularly, 
um obviously just like friends and family and stuff and like on a weekly basis we like you know we do miss you look forward to coming back etc and it's like you know the same with them obviously I'm not just like a celebrity um the main <laughs> character in my mind um but yeah I it's it is there there's certain days yeah where it's trickier than others but overall like I am really really happy I made the decision and I just sometimes I still can't really believe that I'm as far away as I am like 3,000 miles or something <laughs> it's quite daunting Greg it's quite a, when you sometimes just sit and think about it you're like oh my god I'm a whole like eight yeah. hours plane ride away quite terrifying the sense of scale and like distance really yeah. kicks in and yeah. as, you, as you mentioned, it can, I suppose, be a bit overwhelming. But as one thing I think a lot of people really take into consideration before going on a trip, also when on the trip, is keeping those connections open. Yeah. Um, is speaking with family and UK friends, mm-hmm. is that something that's part of a schedule? Or do you, is, does that fit that in on like a Friday date night with, you know, it's with the girls? No, it's in my life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just on, 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 you know, just to touch on that. No days whatsoever, none. Um, so uh, it was originally, we kind of said we'll face them on a weekly basis. But now that I'm working and my job can be quite hectic, um, it's kind of just like quite sporadic, like as and when. Like I realized me and my mum hadn't FaceTimed for a couple of weeks because I've been to Banff and stuff and she was messaging me yesterday and I literally just FaceTimed her out of the blue and she was like oh amazing and then we spoke for an hour and it was just so it's like um she says this about me but it's like a tonic like some certain people are like a tonic and they just bring you like happiness and it's nice to kind of re like ground myself with you know like home and things and just kind of I don't know I think it's just important to kind of keep that topped up when you can not as in you should be always FaceTime because you do need to focus or I do I guess I'm speaking about myself I do need to focus on my life here um but I think it's for me it's really important to it's a priority for me to keep those relationships and to keep my friendships you know healthy and you know gotta come back to some friends Greg I can't just come back <laughs> well hey. be like no one cares about me anymore god my ego couldn't stand that so yeah <laughs> I keep them all well you know <laughs> London may not be Toronto, but it's still pretty big. No, it's, people it's make great, yeah. It's, it's a really great city. And as I said, like, they've only got, like, two or three, like, subway lines. So I feel like public transport I know. Like, I've got – I got the flights on my own, actually, on my Banff holiday recently, and I have no issue with that. That was actually – I think I'm a really chill traveller, which I think is my new green flag as a person. I am so chill in airports. It's great. So – and I get stopped by security all the time. I'm always that person that's picked. I'm always just like, oh, well. Like, here I go again. But yeah, so I feel like I just feel much calmer, I would say, than I was this time last year, even, which is, yeah, very much a positive, I think. I, I do remember you saying last time about, you know, the travels and, you know, one, it's exhausting too, that, you know, you're always nervous about what's going to happen. And then crossing the border oh. is um is a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah, I was very nervous to cross the border. Um, but now, yeah, I know some people find kind of flying and just traveling in general quite a stressful experience. But I actually, I just really enjoy it. And I think, yeah, I mean, London brought me like a lot of confidence and independence with traveling. And I feel like Canada has now like, levels that up so I'm like if I could do that I like we talked about it before like oh if I can you know end a long-term relationship move my life to London a city I used to be terrified of surely I could then move to Canada that's like you know and I have and now even the fact that even this now feels totally normal and not scary at all is amazing and I'm I just think to myself I still think to myself certain some days I can't believe that I have managed to go from the person I was to the person I am now with regards to like how confident I am 
like within myself and my abilities, I guess. And it's kind of like the minute you realize you can do anything, again, I think I've said this in other podcasts, but the minute you realize you can pretty much within reason do anything, um, it's extremely, yeah, freeing. I think I used the same word last time, but it is. And it's just, yeah, never more true than that, you know, than now, I would say. That, that really comes across in just how you're talking about everything so far. You've got this, you've, it, to me anyway, since we last properly spoke, it does sound like you've got this much kind of like, I don't know, like chestier way of being confident about everything. You sound like it's so normal, which is once someone's settled into the new country, you, you can you can really kind of feel it. And f- from you straight away, I can tell this, this this is, you know, a bit more a bit more of home for you. This is the norm now, which is... Yeah. It's the norm. The, the, the really interesting bit. And I think what I find comforting is, as I said, when I get back to the UK, I do want to just stop. Like, I, I'm okay with the moving now, but I do, when I, when I get back, that's when I'd like to just, like, you know, chill and stop and make myself more settled. But I just, it's made me realise I can pick up and move somewhere else and make it feel like home in a fairly short period of time, which is, yeah, which is no mean feat, really, because some people obviously do stuff like this, and they're just like, it's not for me at all. You know, I want to leave. Um, but I'm like a weird middle ground. I'm not kind of in a mindset of, I, w- I mean, I didn't think I would be because I do love the UK and I lo- I'm such a home bird. But I'm not in the mindset of, I've moved here, it's incredible and I'm going to stay forever and get permanent residence. But I'm also not in the mindset of like, I hate it, I want to go home. You know, this isn't for me, I want to leave right now. I'm in like a, you know, not to quote Will Young, but I'm in like a nice middle ground of I do really like it here I'm having a great time I've still got a good handful of trips I want to do um but I do have a view to be moving home and I'm okay with that but sometimes when I say that or mention that to a couple of people they might say you know oh does that mean you don't like I'm like no no like I love it but you know I've got a two-year visa and I'll be staying for a fair chunk of that so (laughs) we'll see who knows when we if we chat again in six months who knows but that's my plan and I'm very comfortable with that headspace and I think that's uh, that's kind of not to be you know big myself up but I did tell myself that that's probably how I would feel so I was right about my own journey. <laughs> surprise surprise I know myself self-discovery is part of the journey totally. but you seem quite firm on the whole mm. coming back to England do you not think they'll be maybe going to North America maybe see if you can expand a little bit down mm. go a bit further south to where you are now I don't, or do you think I don't know I think there's definitely more trips I want to do but I think being away from home and as I said not in the sense of I want to fly home tomorrow and I'm like you know deeply sad or whatever like I'm perfectly content right now I'm really proud of myself for doing this but I think it's just solidified to me that the UK like um, the people in the UK are my home and they, like I've got, as I mentioned before, I've got a nephew and two nieces. I don't want to miss them growing up. And my sisters have said like, you know, do what you want for your, you know, your own life journey, etc. But I don't want to miss them growing up. It's also really made me, I mean, I don't think I ever didn't value my, like how lucky I am with kind of the relationships I have with like my family and like certain friends and things. But it's really it, like being further away and not having them at your beck and call. Cause I used to go home fairly often and see them all the time. And my mum would literally store off her arm for me if I needed it. Like I'm very lucky with the, you know, relation, the close relationships I have with my family and being away from that has really kind of made that hit home and really made me feel so appreciative of the fact that I have that. Cause not everyone does have that and not everyone does have, you know, 
like certain people in their lives that they can, you know, turn on for absolutely, you know, for anything and people who will support them no matter what. Um, so I think it's just really made me value and appreciate that. And I'm not getting any younger, Greg, you know, and I know that sounds a bit depressing to say it that way, but like I, for my life and my priorities and what I value and, you know, what I want from my life, that a lot of that involves, you know, being close to my family and friends as much as, you know, it is great out here and I, I really value the opportunity. I always knew that it wouldn't be somewhere that I was going to kind of move indefinitely. Um, it's somewhere I can imagine is, is a great place to live indefinitely. But for me, it doesn't that doing that a long term doesn't align, I guess, to use a work terminology, it doesn't really align with what my heart desires and what will make my heart, heart most happy, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, again, it's kind of a weird thing to try and explain sometimes to people because it can come across as, oh, you're just not happy way, you know, not happy being out there. But that's obviously not there. That's not. No, I'm, <laughs> that's all right. Okay? I just want to come I mean, home I, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, completely, I completely get that. Yeah, um, I hope that makes sense. Just, I mean, I, I think it makes perfect sense. Pe- people have a plan and sometimes seeing the world as part of it, but it's not, yeah. it's not the plan. Yeah. Totally. I feel um, very like it's a privilege to be able to like be four hours flight away from somewhere like Banff. Like that was, I was a- among the mountains and I was like, this is absolutely amazing. And even though I took 189 photos, I tried to, all what I did always take moments just to stop, look, appreciate. And yeah, that trip has made me want to, I was going to try and do New York next Easter because I'm so close to it, but I might actually try and do another kind of more Canadian rusticy. Thing. I'm gonna wait for a boyfriend one day to take me to New York, Greg. Actually, I'm still gonna hold out hope on that. I've been hoping that for like seven years. It's all that expensive. Can they like? If someone could just take me there, that would really save me on on my budgeting because then I can go somewhere else. Well, you know, Chrysler Building, Blackpool Tower. There's not yes. too much different. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. So yes, I think I'm gonna slightly shift my priorities with that trip and try maybe to utilize that time and do something more somewhere like Halifax or something. I know my friend's been there. She said, that's beautiful. Just places that are a bit more kind of, you know, it felt like proper Canada being in Banff. I think the thing with Toronto is, even though it's a great city, going, like, obviously Canada is more famous, I guess, for its kind of, you know, sweeping landscapes and mountains or like all those dense trees and the lakes and everything. And I felt like I was really, really in Canada when I was there, which was incredible. So I want to do more of that. I mean, not 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 to keep bringing up your Instagram, but looking at the photos, I felt like I was in Canada looking at some of those photos. <laughs> and I haven't posted was... in a while. Then I just did like eight feed posts. I was like, Alberta, British Columbia, like throwing them in. But I want to look back and remember them. Like I don't even have that many followers. I, I, For me, that's like my life photo album that I like to go back through and be like, oh yeah, I remember when I did that. I get that. I, I treat my Instagram in the same way. It's, um, yeah. it's a digital photo album. It's easy to take a photo, yeah. post it, share it. But then... Mm-hmm. It, not to sound like trying to sound like big-headed or e- egotistical but you do end up just looking through your feed oh. and just going you know well, that was fun that was a great day absolutely and for you in particular you know you go to Banff you see these beautiful blue lakes you know mm-hmm. mountains oh. than anything we have in England breathtaking yeah you're gonna look back and just you know mm-hmm. keep being you know just awestruck by it all yeah and-, and it's sometimes good to remind yourself how far you've come and it's Obviously, life is, I know this sounds so stereotypical to say, but life obviously is for living. So it's like, it's nice. Not that you have to go out and that's com- that statement can come with pressure of, oh God, I have to be doing stuff all the time. But not in that sense, as in, like, you know, 
just planning these trips and saving the money like even though yes it can be annoying to be a bit more frugal sometimes but I know that it'll be worth it to be able to do those things I want to do like I've still got a little list of stuff I want to do before I come back so yes hopefully it'll be worth it but it's there's nothing better to spend your money on I I don't think than like experiences I guess is maybe you realize that when you get older I don't know if that's more of like an old person thing to say like oh it's all about the experiences if that is then then call me the crypt keeper because that's the the part of my life i'm in at the moment and you know with um i think i've started to realize that um having a kid on the way i start to think you know i want to make sure that experiences come first which yeah and um oh my god i mean keep going for it adorable (laughs) there were so many people with babies in banff actually loads i was really impressed by how many people brought their very young children i mean the idea of that is see i say i'm a calm traveler i am a calm traveler because i'm just traveling alone just me but if i had to look no keeping anything alive yeah yeah but they hadn't made you could see that they were like having the best time with some of the kids and that's one amazing experience to take if you can do that as a parent that's super cool so yes i hope you have all of that to come hopefully we'll find out we'll find out I'm, I'm, i'm being told to go everywhere i've got a friend in australia who says just do a family trip down there and do do the whole island and like oh amazing maybe yeah. I'm not going to stay here because then you could have brought baby out so oh, you could have stayed with me but maybe well hey. they're staying here longer than me I think <laughs> <laughs> well hey maybe instead because I'm not a London boy myself yeah. you, you can meet Junior in London and, and show us around the hot spots oh yeah I'll show him Big Ben it's all good <laughs> yeah do that do that <laughs> amazing Talking of experiences and all the things that you've been doing, the thing that I find really quite interesting is a lot of people tend to go on solo travels or group travels with friends, and it tends to stay that way. Your journey has been quite interesting in the way that you flew out there solo, spent time solo, had um, Lottie and Kyle come, a married couple, and then you were joined by another friend, I forget her name. Jess. Jess, sorry, Jess. Jess then joined, and obviously you've gone on these little adventures, you live together, now, as you mentioned, you're, you're, you're back solo. So twofold question, having that time solo and having it in a group, what did you find was different about your exploration and experience of Canada? Did you find being in a group made you experience and interact with Canada in a different way to how you do it solo? That's a great question. Um, yeah, so it, just to kind of yeah, lay out kind of the path. So I was here on my own for seven weeks. Then I lived with Lottie and Kyle for three and a half months. Jess came out within that time for like a good month. And then she's now pissed off back to Australia. That's where her heart lies. Um, So she's very content in Australia right now. Uh, Lottie and Kyle still live near me. So they live very near to our first Airbnb in West Toronto. And I've moved back for now until the new year to North Toronto, near, very near to my first Airbnb, which is the area I fell in love with. And then I'll be going to West Toronto, blah, blah, blah. But yes, they're still very close by. They're about a kind of 45 minute walk away. Um, But I think being in a group, so I did like Niagara Falls and things when we were all together. And I think being in a group is good because it really gets you out like the weekends. You've got people there you can discuss and, you know, say like, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? And that can be really fun. And it's, I'm a very, again, I'm very split personality. I'm very social, but I'm also totally happy on my own, um, in my own space. But I think being in a group of people makes you go out and do more stuff. And actually, Kyle said this when we were in Banff. We had days where we do like a big outing and then it would be three o'clock and sometimes 
you know, if you were just in Toronto and you went out and did something, you might then just go home after that. And he said, it's good being with other people because it's, even if you're a bit tired, like, you know, it makes you go out and do more stuff because you're together and you can be like, oh, come on, let's go do this. Let's go do that. So you kind of, in a good way, I guess, push each other a bit. Um, and like, if I had like a really long day at work, lots of people like, do you want to go for a walk after work? And if I'd been on my own, I might not be bothered to do that. But so little things like that were also really good. So I think that was, yeah, it's it's more full on, I guess, when you live with people and have people there. But I guess the plus side to them being on your own is you do totally go by your own schedule. And that's obviously a very relaxing kind of freeing feeling. Um, so I think it's kind of both are good in their own ways, I would say. And again, I'm kind of in like a bit of a hybrid now where I do have friends still here, but I'm living on my own, which is again, a very lucky position to be in. Um, I think at my heart though, I am just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the rom-com, like wannabe rom-com life, Greg, but I do love living on my own and just having my own little space. Um, it makes me feel very calm and very content. Um, but yeah, it's really comforting for my heart to know that I do have friends still nearby, especially when obviously, Everyone else in my life is 3,000 miles away. <laughs> so that's a shame. Um, but yes, I would say both are good, for sure, in their own ways. And I feel now that I'm more established and comfortable, I feel like I'm ready to embrace now. And I've done that trip already to Banff. I'm now excited for the next one. Like I, the rest of my plan for today, I want to go out to a cafe and like replan my plan for Easter and see where I could go and what I could do. So yeah, I'm just kind of ready for the next big thing, I think. Gosh, look at you planning ahead. Always. I'm, but, I honestly, I plan so far ahead, but that's just the nature of who I am. I don't always do it. That is who you are. Yeah, I think money. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds really silly. And well, I know we can go on to the more kind of boring kind of living side of things. But banks here, I used to live in my overdraft when I was in London. And I'd always be like, oh, I'll just go on my overdraft and pay up for the next month. My bank here doesn't have an overdraft. So I have to budget so meticulously to be super, super careful. Um, and I, when I say I budgeted in London, I tried to budget in London. But again, I would kind of give up with it because I just kind of fall back on the overdraft and then whatever. So I think banking is very different here. And has actually, that sounds like a very boring thing to highlight. But that means that I am very careful with my money. And I don't really have, I mean, apart from in an emergency situation, if I messaged my mum and was like, please send me some money, I don't really have that to fall back on now being on my own. So that's, I guess, you know, something that I'm constantly aware of every week is I'm budgeting. Oh, <laughs> it's boring. I'm sorry. That's a very boring interlude to the podcast. But there you go. I mean, Reality. boring, but educational. Thank and, you. Uh, Appreciate that. Yeah. That's my personality. <laughs> People are learning something here, you know. Exactly. Learning with a smile, let's exactly. say that. Exactly. Oh, uh, on on that note, you're talking about you've got to keep a closer eye on your finances. Mm. How are, I don't know how up to date you are with how the UK economy is going, and I don't want to dive too much into the boring sides mm. of the UK economy and how the current at the time of recording um, inflation, interest rates, and you know a bit of the you know tough year many people yeah. have faced it. But have you been keeping an eye roughly or hearing much about what the UK economy is like? I mean, a little bit. I've had two or three people say to me, you left at a good time. <laughs> um, and they, I've, again, someone else said to me, who was it? I think it was my mum even. She was like, I think by the time you do come back, hopefully things will be a bit more settled. Um, and I just hear tidbits here and there of like, you know, or oh, deposits are really high or whatever, all this. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, I mean, I don't really engage much with kind of, you know, 
financial politics type. It's not really my area of expertise, but I've definitely heard a few bits and bobs saying that, yeah, it's not great. But I imagine Canada's got its problems as well. I feel like, is anywhere great right now? Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I mean, a good time. So thank goodness. And I do feel like I have job security where I am. Now I've said that guarantee to get fired on Monday, but let's just hope. <laughs> But on that note, and kind of teetering off from the point of, you know, there's no overdraft at the bank, you have to budget a bit more, you're very much living in the Airbnb and the short leases. How are you finding the general cost of living? Do you, you, like, I tend to go to the supermarket, do my shop, and you kind of have that slow, that slow zoom in kind of feeling of watching the the till number just get higher, like, ugh. In Canada, obviously, their taxes you have to add on, and the, the, the way you look at money is a bit different. But um, I, whenever you see, whenever you send photos or put a story up of like $9 waffles, um, my heart sinks a little bit. Obviously, the Canadian dollar is very different to the American, which a lot of Brits are used to. Mm. But how are you finding that that daily spend, that weekly shop that you have to do to survive as opposed to the fun things? That's, yeah, that is so true. I did a, I budgeted for, just as an example, I budgeted $40 yesterday to get my bits and bobs I need. And I thought that was more than enough. It came to $78 and that was me buying like the cheapest option of everything. Um, and I, at the till, sometimes it's like, I'm very British with it. Sometimes I have to be at the till, like the self-service, I never say this to an assistant that's not there. Oh. I'm always like, fucking hell, this country's expensive, man. <laughs> I think three times a week, I probably just say that externally because it's just like, it is expensive. I mean, again, I know, london's expensive and i know this is like a major city and it's just kind of the way it is um but it's not cheap at all i mean the only plus point is that it's prepping me for when i do move back to london uh, where i imagine everything's going to still be really really expensive but yeah that is a constant every day like i don't want to say stress because it's not stress it's actually just like an annoyance i think the tax gets you as well sometimes like you'll think you've got something for like four dollars and i'll be like oh i think that's an item you're not taxed on and then so i have to say that irritates me greatly um love canada and the people are lovely but that really really pisses me off and if i'm in like a slightly bad mood and i go to the supermarket and that happens i'm just like oh fuck's sake it's probably my most like that's my smallest most common annoyance i would say oh it's just ridiculous but there we go such as life what can you do everywhere's expensive yes it is definitely still um an ongoing annoyance, I'll say, for sure. <laughs> a lot of instant noodles I've been eaten, I have to say. Oh. Yep. <laughs> oh, really nice. Yeah. And the gym's really expensive. Like, I've just joined the cheapest gym I could find, and it's $45 every two weeks. So it's, like, bi-weekly. What? So that's, like, what, $90 a month? And that's the cheapest. But I'm like, if I don't go to the gym, and especially now I'm living on my own, I wanted to prioritise that because I want to make sure I get out of the house. Um and I am obviously, as I think I've mentioned, I'm fully remote in my job and I do have an office, but even that's like factoring in like the cost to get there. And it's like, it all adds up and it, it all adds up. I, I like to not, obviously I'm not relying on anyone else and I'm very proud and I wouldn't want to ask like my mum for money unless I was in dire need. Um, and I'm good right now. I, I'm just, this is why I budget just to, I like to just feel like I've, I've got myself covered, you know, and sometimes that does just mean living frugally. <laughs> Like, like you know i don't get like my hair cut i get my nails done like all those i mean my mom cuts my hair to be fair but yeah like some luxuries and like the good thing about me trying to be healthy 
is that no takeaways right now and that saves things. So I am ultimately missing out on some little luxuries, but they're things that are just first world problems and I don't even, ultimately I don't really need them. So <laughs> ugh, I'm just a new reborn person, Greg, what can I say? Yeah, and you, you sound incredibly optimistic about it as well. <laughs> yeah, just swearing under my breath at Metro, just like, fucking hell. <laughs> Got like $6 for four apples. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to be healthy and it's still expensive. <laughs> oh but there we go i think that's also part of just becoming like older as well just having you've got to have that it's right of passage to be pissed off about the price of things oh yeah i I think if you don't complain about something every day i don't think you've truly aged especially if you're british like i think i'm actually a very overall i'm a very positive optimistic problem solving person and i really pride myself on that but sometimes yeah it fucks me off (laughs) (laughs) it really fucks me off but overall, I'm good. It's fine. I'll keep paying seven dollars for my lattes. It's all good. Um, I, you know what? I one thing I was like, I'm not gonna give up is like cafetiere coffee because it gets me out of bed in the morning. It literally makes me move. So I was like, I need that. And so I've got like um, I got like the cheapest one I could without it being like totally disgusting. But I was like, I just can't do instant. I don't have the power. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not going to do it. I prefer to give up getting like, I mean, never, I, sorry, not that I ever did much before, but I don't get my nails done, for example. I'm like, I prefer to give that up. Um, <laughs> and I prefer to wait until I'm next home or something or next year until I get a haircut, but I'm not giving up coffee. <laughs> I refuse to give up nice coffee. So yeah, that's my priorities. That's the order they are. <laughs> well, there's some advice on how to budget then. Exactly, exactly. Sometimes. I mean, you... um. You, you mentioned your, your job's fully remote. Obviously, that, that benefits by what you're saying, that you're going to be bouncing around to different areas yeah. of Toronto and potentially going further away. Um, how do you find that kind of pain in the ass moment, as we, a lot of people do, of being working in the house? Are you a pop to the cafe and work from the laptop? Do you make sure you have breaks? I mean, how do you handle the nine to five being in the same Airbnb? I was actually talking to my mum about that yesterday. She got ahead of you and was asking that question already. But, um, classic Lynn. So when I was living with Lottie and Kyle, I pretty much for the whole summer worked remotely because I didn't feel like I was too isolated because they were always there. So it was kind of nice. And like, you know, my lunch breaks, I'd be able to chat with them and stuff and go for walks after work or whatever. So it actually didn't feel isolated to do that. Whereas now, living on my own, I'm very aware that if I did that exact same routine, that would be really antisocial. As much as I'm comfortable in my own company, as I said, I need I need some kind of social interaction. So my plan is um, to, a couple of times a week, um, either go to maybe the office once a week and then a cafe another day of the week, um, depending on like what calls I have and whatnot. But there's a couple of cafes in this area of Toronto that I love, that are really good working cafes. Because um, as I said, it's near to my first one. So I already kind of know the area a bit. Um, so that's going to be the plan to make sure I get out a couple of times a week. But it is lovely to have the luxury of a remote job um, and being able to kind of work. I mean, as long as I'm in the same time zone, I can work anywhere. And there's loads of places in Canada that are like Montreal, as I said, I could go work there for two weeks. And it'll be completely fine, um, which is amazing. So I still want to do, you know, we can probably touch on that of what I, you know, places I still want to go or whatever. I won't bore you with that now. Um, but yeah, I try, I'm going to make sure that I do that routine 
and try not to just stay inside for like a whole week. But say it was really chilly and I wanted to have, you know, just totally stay inside and save a bit of money one week, then it's really lovely and it's great that I have the opportunity to do that should I wish to do it, I think. Is where I'm at. And should should you ever decide to go into said office instead yeah. of working in your in your lovely white Airbnb, <laughs> how do you find your work colleagues? Do you find there's a little bit of a um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a cultural gap? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of British expats um, live in Canada, and a lot of them do a lot of business, obviously, with Canada, mm-hmm. especially around Toronto. But how do you find working with a what I'm assuming is a predominantly Canadian team? Hate more. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> no, they're all lovely. So ultimately, the project management team that I sit within, they're all based in New York. Um, but yeah, so my main team that I sit in, like the cluster, as it were, um, they're all in New York. But there's a lot of kind of creatives and things like that who work from Toronto. And I know like a handful of them now. So sometimes I'll like, if ever I did go into the office, I check if they were in. Um, but yeah, they're really nice. They're really sweet. I think they... Um, I think there's people in Canada from all walks of life as well. So it's kind of like, it's very, very multicultural, um, which is really cool. Um, so I really, I don't think there's too much of a gap, but I often will be asked about, people will message me on numerous occasions um, if someone from, you know, the UK team within my company asks them something and they don't understand it. And they'll be like, what does it mean pencil in time? Does that mean that they're actually giving a meeting to me? Like, I don't understand. And they'll ask me about lingo and things like that so and the british way of doing things on like certain types of jobs um that's very vague and top line but like i feel like i'm the kind of the person the go-to person now for anything related to the uk you're the emissary yeah i'm i I am the you know the fountain of knowledge as it were so which is quite nice i need to ask then obviously you're, you're asking you to be the translator have you been teaching people any British way of calling someone a tosser, for example? <laughs> what I know, so I've been good with that at work. I try to keep a boundary of being professional. I mean, I say that within reason. <laughs> um, but one thing that I always say that I don't know if you say it when you're at work or just day to day life, but I will always say, right, so then we'll just crack on. Like, you know, when you're rounding up, you know, this is the timeline. So yeah, nothing, no further updates. And then we're just going to crack on. And I didn't realize I was saying that so much to the point where people now say it. And they're like, oh, as Ellie says, we'll crack on. And I didn't realize that that, that didn't translate over here So that, all the time. And now I like, now that I try not to say it, I end up saying it more somehow. So things like that, they'll just kind of like catch on to like random British link. I say bloody a lot and they'll, they'll laugh at them. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. That's a <laughs> British thing. So yes, nothing too rude, but I definitely, I now realize that they pick up on my language more than I obviously am aware of, because if I just say crack on on a call in London, that's quite like a normal phrase, whereas here apparently Mm. not. So yeah, things like that, Um, they're quite funny. (laughs) And just to, just to say that we're not just assuming the Canadians only listen to us. Have you picked up anything from your Canadian lingo slang yet from the office? A little bit. I know this sounds really awful and they're all lovely people. I try deliberately not to because I don't want to. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but I love being British and I, I try to keep my own like mannerisms. But I think one thing they say a lot is for sure. And I find myself saying, yeah, for sure, quite a lot. That's something that's like slowly creeping out. They're also just extremely friendly. Um, but then I'm, I like to think I was always the person in the team when I worked in the UK that was kind of the quite you know, positive, like bubbly person. So that's translated really quite well because everyone else is also like, 
very similar to me, I think. Um, which also is kind of weird. I'm like, I liked being the one on the, t- the only one on the team that was like the positive fun one. And now everyone else is positive and fun and not grumpy. So ultimately part of me is like, I don't like the competition. Um, oh. also nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we've, we've learned, we've learned a bit about how you feel about the Canadian team, the New York they're team all, and now the British team. They're all grumpy in England. They're all lovely. I mean, I can't blame them. Yeah. Less grumpiness than London. But again, I kind of love the grumpiness about London, I have to say. So it has got a certain a lovable hateability about yeah. it, doesn't it? Oh yes. The gloominess of like the tube, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. See, I'm romanticizing yeah. it now because I haven't been there for so long. I'm like, oh the tube. Whereas I could well, hey, like, know... oh, the tube. <laughs> someone's face just right there. Maybe I don't know. Well, I don't know if you would have seen it. I mean, I'm gonna mention now that you've mentioned it. We discussed TikTok. There is a now sensational viral tube girl in London. Yeah. Who was um? If you get a chance, have a look for Tube Girl. She has now become an international sensation. Yeah. Tube Girl. Um, ha- just pencil pencil that in. Pencil okay, that in. Okay, remind me. Have a look at later. Tube Girl. Okay, I'll have a look again. The shows I don't have TikTok. Um, well, okay. it's but okay. let's just say I didn't realize it was a thing until I saw her on BBC News. Oh so, my god! Okay, yeah. I would have been Tube Girl if I stayed in London. That could have been you, but you you let me know how you feel about if you could be Tube Girl once you've seen it. Okay, all right, amazing, yeah. uh, amazing. I actually can't think of anything worse than being an influencer. Like, my God, can you imagine? Like, I shove my content out, but like, I actually having to do it for like an audience and like do ads. Oh my God, just no. It's not it's not the life that calls to me. But love the sound of Tube Girl. I will give her a look up. Thank you for the recommendation. Check out Tube Girl. No, so just uh, circling back to the whole being employed, you're quite fortunate to have a job going out there, being transferred with your company. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, quite happy. You got a remote job. It seems to be doing quite well. You might, you know, if they're listening, you know, get Ellie to New York uh, at management team, please. But uh, <laughs> a fairly strong history with um, Brits going to Canada and vice versa, especially when it comes to work and business. Mm-hmm. Um, have you come across many other British expats and? Have you heard much in terms of what other people's experiences in finding jobs or moving with a job? That is a great question. I actually have encountered very few British people. Apparently, there's a girl in this building that my Airbnb man said is from the UK. He was like, you should hang out with her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Dig her That's going to happen. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if we all just swarm to each other, but, you know, a friend's a friend, so whatever. Um, Crack open a bag of tetley. Exactly. But I'd say Lottie and Kyle are obviously my main people who I've seen kind of come here and look for jobs from scratch from here. And obviously you can, you know, you'll chat with them separately, I'm sure. But that was no no mean feat. Like that was tough. Um, Even more so tough for Kyle. They've now both found jobs, which is great. Um, Kyle's first day is actually today. um, And he works in insurance. um, But it took him a long time just for his line of work, I think, to find something. But now he's found a really great opportunity. Lottie's in a job. She's gone into the... um, kind of a similar world to me so she's working in like a um, creative kind of ad agency now like does like she does like experiential like events so mm. that is really nice that she's in the same kind of similar area to me with like agency life um and she seems happy but it took them a long time and it was raining and i think if they'd been in london they would have found something much quicker i think there's definitely more jobs available there wasn't nothing in Canada that it wasn't like they came here and there's absolutely nothing but it definitely feels like the job market is not as kind of thriving I guess you know 
as it were mm. here compared to London or just not even just London, just other big cities in the in the UK. But yes, luckily they both found something now. But overall, I haven't genuinely haven't really experienced or come across that many people from the UK. So yeah, it's quite crazy, really. It's mainly just Canadians oh. or Australians, interestingly. Oh, yeah. So, well, in my head, I always think of Canada being covered in snow, but every, half the time on your Instagram, you're in shorts, so it's I couldn't the, be more wrong. God. I actually, um, I, I think, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I'm very much an autumn, winter, cold weather gal. Um, so I have, I definitely, that's one negative, actually. I've really struggled over the summer just with how hot it's got on some days. Um, and that also has been a godsend when I was working from home because our old Airbnb had the best aircon ever. Mm. Um so it is, I don't know how, I mean, I imagine if I stayed here long term, I would just adapt, but I'm not good in the heat. I'm not good in the heat. I'm not, you know, and cats go and just like find a patch of shade and just like lay and just like don't move. But I, that's oh, yeah. like in the heat. I can't, yeah. It makes me grumpy. So I prefer oh, nice, cool or tum. I still love the sun. Um, and actually I don't mind the heat if I'm on holiday and I can be in like a swimsuit and I'm prepped for it, but Okay, I don't know how they do it, Greg. I don't know how they do it here. It's very impressive. Sorry. No, I, I mean, I, again, I'm the same. Summer, not a fan. I'm, I'm yeah. much a fan of the cooler climate. Yeah. And yeah. England, England has not. No. And I've been calling England um like just an armpit this summer. That's how <laughs> humid and horrible it's been. Oh so, God, that's awful. Yeah, it really is. Oh but, yes, it's nearly autumn. It's nearly fall. Sorry, now so it's all good. It's getting better. That's so awful. <laughs> it's autumn autumn sounds nicer it just sounds basic sorry, sorry no offense to canadians but it just sounds a little bit basic to call it fall is it because fall? fall? It, it seems a bit cut and dry i'd hate i'd hate to bring up um mm. i forget his name michael mcintyre <laughs> i hate to bring up michael mcintyre but you know they call it what they see don't they sidewalk eye eyeglasses you know what? They're not wrong. Yeah. They're not wrong. And they still do loads of stuff like better than us, I'm sure. But I have to say, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't like it that it's called full. A couple of other quick things that I don't like. I don't like that you can only now just use your debit card on the underground. Oh. Uh, <laughs> why has that just happened? Why has that taken them so long? God, like, <laughs> like country's lovely, beautiful country, but I don't understand why that took so long. <laughs> We didn't like. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to trash talk the country I'm in. No, because it, it sounds like. People, but you're, you're making it sound like you're trying to get kicked out of the country yeah. and out, out of. Work my window's open. I'm like, I hate it. <laughs> I hate Canada. They it's don't take my debit card. They tax me on everything. Oh, exactly. The tax. I have to say the tax. Um, and I can't say that really about the card because you can now use your debit cards. You can't use your debit card on the street. Oh, can you? That might come in as well. Anyway, yeah, the tax for me is the most irritating thing, just the expense. But again, expense, I can't really say, because in London, it'll be the same, so. Yeah, just I mean, you're, you're kind of used to being ripped off. Just the tax. Let's yeah, that. well, I mean, the, the the interesting point, I suppose we can go on to, you're talking about the tax, the underground, using debit cards, having to work, you know, like jobs and everything. We've discussed your prep in the past. Mm -hmm. We've, um, you're, you're, you're a lady who loves her prep, and that comes from your yeah. you know, professional background and I think also just coming from being a lady who loves to prep and likes a spreadsheet, me as well. I do. But before going away, everyone has to look. I'm exactly the same no matter where I go, even if I've been there a thousand times before. What can I do? What shouldn't I do? What should I bring? What should be in my bag? Yeah. But as a lady of, a, of prep work, let's call you the back girl of prepping, I'd like you... 
is there anything that you would suggest for future, say, Canadian um, expats or travelers? Anything new that you've learned recently about life in Canada that you would say isn't explored enough on these various websites and how-to guides Mm -hmm. that you would say people have to take this advice on board? This could be your most influential moment, Ellie. What advice would you give to (laughs) people? No pressure. Um, No pressure. But dear God, tell me. God, I think what... I don't know if I should start with something boring, but when it comes to accommodation, obviously Airbnb is a super simple, um, same as in the UK, same concept. Um, and if you stay in the long term, you can pay monthly and stuff. So it's kind of like you're renting someone. That's great. I think what I didn't realize would be such an issue was my, well, I think I told you at the time, my original plan was to live with Lottie and Kyle and then from now be in a, a lease for a condo. Um, so like just go into proper rental agreements and go, you know, run away from Airbnb and just be like proper, like committed. And I didn't realize that a major, like so many of their places are just unfurnished. So I would have had to buy loads of furniture. B their deposits are two months worth of rent, which is obviously a lot of money plus a fair few other fees for just bits and bobs. Uh, C they don't really have any break clauses very often. So you are tied in for at least a year, which is quite, quite intense really. And Mm. what else? I don't think I had a D. I think that was pretty much it. But it's just basically, I didn't, re- oh, and, oh, I know, the most important one, Greg, that I didn't realize. So you can get your references and things like that. I could get, I didn't really have, obviously, a credit score here, but I have my one from the UK, which was fine. So there's loads of places that will still not take you, even if I had, like, the best Airbnb references and references from my old landlords in London, slash friend. <laughs> it was glowing. Um, but... They, a lot of them want a guarantor and that guarantor can't just be like my mum in England. It would have to be a guarantor from someone in Canada, specifically in your province, so in Ontario. And I literally said to the realtor, I have come here on my own. I do not know anyone apart from my two friends who in the nicest way can't be my guarantor because they've got less money than me, mate. So, I mean, that's no mean feat, to be honest. But I just was it, it just seemed impossible and I'd find there was three or four places that I said you know I want to make an offer um and he said sorry they you know they still don't want they still don't want to take you because you don't have a guarantor and I was like I've literally got everything I've got glowing references you know all this stuff and they still wouldn't said so that I think I mean maybe if I'd looked into this more I would have found out more information but I don't remember reading much about that and how much of a blocker potentially that can be um, even though, as I said, like I had proved that I was in full-time work and, you know, earning like enough money to be able to cover the rent and whatever, like it still just wasn't possible. So that's another reason I decided to go for Airbnb and just think to myself, I can pretty much still just do these kind of longer term rental agreements. Yes, I'm moving around like a little bit more, but actually maybe I need to embrace that. Use, you know, use that to my advantage, be able to travel a little bit further afield if I want to next year. Um, but I just, I do think that that was, um, not really discussed and also how much they rely on credit cards like they only get paid bi-weekly so a lot of the time it will work out that your pay will be taken on one of those and that will you know wipe your pay so you have to be really careful and with the lack of overdrafts there's not really much to fall back on so everyone lives off credit cards and I know I think that's a little bit of like a sticking point here um with debt and things like that so I don't know about you but I've always been brought up with it drummed into my head to be like never get a credit card credit cards are bad People just get in debt, they charge you, all this stuff. But like here, it's just so normal. 
So I think actually all that side of things, and again, I know that's all very boring things, but all of that side of things really impacted my life. For sure, I said I have to be really tight with my budgeting. I have to be, you know, really careful and like plan ahead a lot. So yeah, that to me, from what I saw, and I did do quite a lot of research, that wasn't really talked about that much. So, and I'm not in like a couple, obviously. Uh, so I don't have someone else to like potentially rely on. Um, and as I said, I have like no family here. So yeah, I have no yeah. guarantor. <laughs> I literally have no guarantor. So if I wanted to continue down that road, it would have been really tricky. I think, because only very yeah. select few places would take me without a guarantor. So they're very, it's very strict, basically. I learned that it's very strict when it comes to rentals. So, yeah. And for all these moments, I imagine there was probably a fair bit of stress coming around it on like the back end of finding a place to live, getting a phone, getting the bank set up. Um, in, in terms of when any of that stress hit, how did you try to alleviate that stress? Was it a case of calling calling home or did you just say listen I've got to solve one problem at a time that's uh yeah that's a pretty good question actually I think while I was doing all of that I was living with Lottie and Kyle so I'd be able to kind of vent to them about it when I wanted to but in the end after I think it was like the third place I said you know I'll take it if they if they'll take me and they still and he said again no there's no guarantor I think after that I thought to myself I'm not going to continue doing all these viewings and putting myself through stress, knowing it's most likely they won't take me. Um, I'm not going to continue doing that because ultimately I thought to myself, I was like, I'm in my second Airbnb already. So maybe I just carry on doing this instead and just find a longer term Airbnb. So I basically just tried to problem solve it. Like I always do. I'm a bit of a fixer. Um, I'm someone who, oh, massive light. yeah, I'm a bit of a fixer, including with my own life. So I basically just did what I did best and, went back to the drawing board and was like why can't I just carry on as I am in longer term Airbnbs and then obviously as I've already covered you know it lets me see different places and it gives me more flexibility and really lets me use my amazingly you know useful kind of remote job to my advantage so I just kind of flipped the kind of you know what's the word I flipped the page over and just started again, basically, and was like, I'm just going to do this and committed to that. And now, yeah, that's kind of where I've landed. And I actually feel a lot calmer, especially with my plan to go home and I don't have to worry about, you know, the end of a lease or anything like that. So I think it's one of the, I'm actually glad it's turned out that way rather than, you know, getting locked into something. Because being locked into something for a year is also quite, um, quite a scary, like, prospect, really. I think a lot of rentals in the UK, for example, have a break clause of, you know, often like six months, but sometimes it might be like, just give them a month's notice and then you can be gone, you know? So yeah. I think that is, um, yeah, that's not the best, I guess. But, you know, I think it's worked out well after that. I say so. And as I've said before, you sound so, so happy and confident and clear about it. And yeah. as you mentioned, have, having that year kind of like break clause or like year long contract, sorry, it can um, sound quite restrictive, not very freeing. Which, as you've mentioned, you've got you've you want you want to see you want to see the whole new world. You want to see you've seen Banff, you've um seen Niagara Falls, you've yeah. I don't well I don't know what else. But you mentioned earlier you've got plans. Obviously, New York hopefully being one of them. My and before I get onto a question that I'm quite excited to ask, I'd like to ask you this. What is on the list? Where where are we looking to go? Canada is so big. It oh, is so big. And Tell I, me more. Let me think. So obviously I'm in Toronto at the moment and I have done Niagara Falls, correct? So I've done a massive bucket list with Niagara Falls, which was just, I'd actually do it again. It was incredible. 
Um, I have done numerous bits and bobs within Toronto. I've done so many bucket list things within Toronto, like the baseball games, all, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I've actually got Toronto pretty much covered. Um, but, and I've obviously done Banff. That was my, another huge bucket list thing as well. That and Niagara Falls are like my two things. I can't leave this country until I've done them. Um, but I also want to do, so I want to go to Montreal. I want to visit Ottawa, so the capital. Um, I'd also love to go to Quebec City. And when, what I originally planned to do was go to Montreal for like two or three weeks. And then during that time on a couple of the weekends within that time, do one weekend where I go to see Ottawa, one weekend where I go to see Quebec City. Um, so they were on my bucket list. New York also was, however, that's been on my bucket list for a while. And as I said, I might, after going to Banff, I might now rejig and do something a little bit more kind of rustic and atmospheric, somewhere like I said, Halifax or something of that vibe. So my only main bucket list places are the ones, yeah, that I've just said, because Banff for me was like the big one. Um, and obviously money-wise, I can't do excessive amounts of things. Wow. <laughs> but yes, I definitely want to see the capital. Montreal, as I said, has always been up there. Quebec City, absolutely up there as well. And I mean, if I can do New York, amazing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, somewhere, I think on top of those three, somewhere else quite, you know, beautiful and outdoorsy. I think yeah. so if you've got any recommendations, let me know. But those are my main ones. I think if, as long as I get those done, I'll be happy is the goal. I mean, leave, leave, people leave some notes in the comments below and help Ellie find her journey. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, in adventure. Yeah. Help untangle the knot. Exactly. <laughs> you've just kind of mentioned you want to go, you want to see these places, you want to go to these cities, you want to see these, you know, as you would in Canada, it's such a larger than life place. And as I've said before, that sense of scale compared to the UK is unfathomable to a lot of people who haven't been to a country like that. Um, a lot of people as well, when they go to certain countries, they may have an experience in mind. Not to take away from what you're looking for, I'm curious. Yeah. Do you have an experience in mind? For example, people want to go to Iceland and see the Northern Lights. They want to go to um, a Japanese hot, uh, hot spring, perhaps overlooking Mount Fuji, or perhaps they want to just see the beaches of Mexico and just experience a nice fresh coconut. Are there any, say, experiences in Canada that you've been told to to look at or some that you might even have in mind? I don't know, pulling maple from a tree. Oh, my God, yes. Um, not to boast, but I think the stuff that people have told me to do, I've already done. So, yes. quite far, so Niagara Falls was one. Um, going to Lake Louise... Um, which is about an hour from Banff, which is, you know, uh, where I've obviously just gone. That was something I was also really, like told to do. And it was absolutely amazing. It exceeded, and we didn't even have the best weather, but it still exceeded all of my expectations. It was the most, the fact that I have canoed on one of the most famous lakes in the world is just like mind blowing to me and seeing and just generally Banff was also is also one that comes up every time you Google places to go in Canada, Banff is like top of the list. So I think those couple of bits were amazing. I think lots of bits and bobs in Toronto, as I said, that people told me to do like go to a baseball game. There's still things like go to like a, a basketball game and I want to do snow tubing when it gets snowy where you just get a big rubber ring and go down like a mountain. I want to do that. So that's like something I'm gonna do when when the snow arrives. Um, but I say those things are the main bits that I have been told to do. I think most people I know actually don't know a huge amount about Canada. I don't actually know many people at all who have been here. So I haven't actually been given too many things. It mainly was Banff. That is the main thing. So I'm really, 
really happy I got to see it and I'm happy I got to see it at such a special time where all you know it was that two-week period of all their leaves changing color and it was just yeah very privileged to have witnessed that as an author. And I I am going to say for for those who have not seen any of Ellie's photos Mm -hmm. it does look absolutely stunning and I'd recommend it makes me want to go see it. It's just you can't and I, I looked back at my pictures and I was like you can't it doesn't even translate well enough to camera of how beautiful it was in real life. So I say anyone going, that is the place to go. Like, make sure you prioritize that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For (laughs) sure. And I've got to ask, are you for sure ready for the snow and winter that you've just mentioned? I remember when I went to um, China, I was ill prepared for the winter that came around to the point that I had to go buy coats and everything. But I even learned when I had my scooter that my beard had... um, um, icicles in it oh, for a five-minute bike ride to where I worked. Um, I literally, I looked like that bit from Dumb and Dumber, if anyone yeah. remembers that, where I was just frozen snot and everything over my beard. Oh, God. Um, sorry to gross out, but are you are you ready? Do ha- You haven't experienced this mass chill, but no. is it like something from Game of Thrones? People, you, you are not prepared. Are you ready for winter? Oh, my God. I think I am mentally ready for winter. Like, I really want it to be cold. I like the dark evenings. I know it's a bit like weird to enjoy that I do all of those things are like however my only point of reference is a winter in the UK which obviously is cold but not as cold as it's going to be here so I will 100% need to buy like a proper winter coat because the one I've got right now it rains heavily and it will like start to soak through so I don't have like you know my long black puffer jacket the one where I look like is it like the football guy the one in the massive coat. I have a, like, a friend who's a massive football fan. She always tells me that's what I look like. But anyway, that one is lovely. And it's good for when it's cold. But when it's raining, etc., I need a better. Yeah. So I do need a better coat. But apart from that, I've got my thermals in that bottom drawer there. Oh, okay. I've got my thermals. I have got, um, I've got one polo neck. But I've got a fair few jumpers. So, oh, my God. Quick sight. Like, well. Side note slash segue, I sent a whole box of clothes home because I was like, I need to like, if I'm going to now be traveling around more, I need to like lighten the fucking load. So I sent them, Greg, sent them a month ago. They haven't turned up. Wow. Mm. So half my wardrobe's gone. Uh, But my mum's birthday present did turn up. So that's something. But yeah. That's priority. Yeah. So my cargo (laughs) pants are gone forever. RIP. But no, they're the green ones. Yeah. Loved those. Oh, you like those as well. Oh, yeah. But it's such as life, you know? And also, um, I don't know if she'll listen to this. This will test if my friend Jess will listen to this. But she gave me a jumper to take home with me because she was trying to lighten the load. And I was like, oh, I love that jumper. Give it to me. I'll just wear it and then just give it back to you whenever you come back to London. Uh, that was also in the parcel. So hmm. she might never get her jumper back. Though if it's gone by sea, maybe it'll just take, maybe one day it's just going to turn up. Yeah, one day. Maybe when you get home. By the time I get home, the parcel, yeah. I'll come back with the parcel. <laughs> That's third class sea oh, travel for you. But yes, no, I think I'm prepared. I'm ready for it to be cooler. I'm just, yeah, I need to find some kind of, because I get very cold, very cold. Mm. So especially my little spindly hands get very cold. So I need to make sure that I'm prepared Mittens. in that sense. <laughs> Mittens, exactly. Yeah. Well, oh, see, I'll let you know. Hmm. Yes, I mean, I look forward to seeing the first photo of you kitted out, like looking like, I don't know, the Michelin yeah. man. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for <laughs> that. Stay, stay tuned. tuned, everyone. Stay tuned. I will share that photo. Great. <laughs> now, we've um, we've talked multiple times about your, your Instagram, your love of photos, that digital photo album that you have. 
Now, many tend to reflect on their journeys through Instagram, maybe nowadays through TikTok and photos they get on their phone. Um, but you have got a, a blog, which is a very kind of different way. I tried blogging when I was out in China. And one thing I've found is that having that kind of very granular, self-reflective way of thinking about your experience while you write about it really makes you think and experience it differently. So in terms of your blog, whilst you're writing, do you tend to change your views on things as you're writing about them as opposed to when you just look at a photo of you doing them? Mm. I think that's yeah no that's interesting i think when i started the blog it was more just like i've moved to toronto Woohoo! like these are the things i'm doing whereas now um i'm just like a bit more i don't know i'm just a bit more settled i feel as i said the honeymoon period's over so i'm still i haven't actually written it for a few weeks because i've been traveling and stuff but i'm gonna do a blog on banff i think because it was just amazing and i want to make sure i write that experience down so i never ever ever forget it um but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, when you start writing about something, and compare like comparison to just putting a picture up, it's kind of I, this is why I like doing the blogging because it just gives a little bit more context to self. It just kind of it's a nice diary for me. And I know this sounds weird to say, but I'm not even that fussed if anyone else reads it. I'm more doing it so I can look at a kind of similar concept to Instagram. Look back at the the blog entries, kind of like a diary, and just remember the stuff that I've done. So I think that's what I've kind of like. You know, that's why I've created the blog, the space where the blog is, because I want to have a location that I can go to and look back and be like, oh, I remember when I did that. That was great. So, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a different experience when you're writing about stuff rather than just because it can be quite quick just to put your pictures up and then you kind of almost just forget about it. But when you're writing it, you're kind of reliving it and working through it. And it's quite, um, yeah, it's an interesting concept. I've never really thought about it before. Right no, me, me neither. Until, until, I, <laughs> until I got introspective on the questions that yeah. I wrote for you. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, now we're, we're coming to my slightly revamped version of my quickfire question. Some of these go a bit deeper, um, Ellie, but that is, um, this is kind of what I'm going for. Okay. So le learn with me, experience with me, and everyone else experience them as well. A lot of people, before they go out the house, they will look and grab their phone, their wallet, their keys, maybe their sunglasses and their coat. But obviously, as you've mentioned, you like to go out, you like to explore and experience what goes into a daily backpack or or, bat, or handbag or purse. What is in your bag when you know that you've got much more distance to travel? My goodness, I'm trying to think with Bam. So one thing I take everywhere with me because I have an absolutely awful phone um, is my portable charger. I cannot go anywhere without my portable charger. And that's not even just for photos. It's deep rooted from a fear of as much as I'm a karma traveler now, I always think to myself, if I get lost, I, as long as I can contact someone, I'm fine. Um, so kind of out of fear, mainly, I carry that everywhere. And I've got like a big hefty, my portable charger is actually one that I gifted to my long-term ex-boyfriend. And when I moved out, I packed it accidentally and was like, do you want it back? And he was like, no, you could have it. So I've got that in my fucking bag. Um, it's great as well, because I picked it. And I was like, I picked a good one for him. So now I picked a good one for myself. Anyway, irrelevant side note. So anyway, I've got a portable charger. I've got, um, what else do I carry everywhere? Moisturizer and lip balm because it gets really chilly, especially when you're out, like when I was in Banff, for example, and it's more windy and you're more exposed. So always anything to like moisturize and hydrate you. Um, as you can imagine, hair bands, because yes, right now my hair is down 
and I have dried it and well washed and dried it for you which yeah you're welcome but my hair is just like this let me just do an example like this on my head all the time like this oh wow proper bun all the time so I have to have a proper bun oh good actually oh wow Um, so I have to have hair bands with me all the time I cannot go anywhere without hair bands um, another thing I carry with me everywhere is my Kindle, hashtag not an ad. So I'm constantly carrying that Kindle. So when I was on the plane back from Bath, I didn't watch any films or anything. I just sat and read my book the whole time. Um, so that is something that I always, always take with me because sometimes I'm like, if my phone's going to die, at least I have my Kindle because that battery lasts for like 10 fucking years. And then Greg, oh my God, I have everything to hand. This is great. Then I have my eye mask which I, which my friends in London got me as part of my goodbye gift. And it's a silk eye mask. And when I say I would die for this object, it is the best thing, especially in Airbnbs that don't have the best curtains or blinds. I take that everywhere with me. So that for me is also an absolute necessity because that will get me to sleep in like the required seven minutes or whatever it is compared to just, you know, like an hour while you know you just lay awake and you're rolling around. That puts me into a fucking trance. So that's amazing. So I'll take that everywhere with me. What else? Oh, and a spare jumper. Some kind of spare layer because I get freezing. I took, I took a spare thermal pretty much everywhere in Banff. And I often would put it on because my body just gets very cold. So I'd say they are my main things. And water. Hydration. Stay hydrated, people. Yep. So I'd say they're my main bits and bobs. Oh, and an umbrella because I've been brought up in England where you never know if it's going to rain. So without a doubt, even when it was, I was out in 35 degree heat in Toronto, I still have an umbrella in my bag because you never know what's going to happen. Oh, my AirPods, but we've already talked about them. But like everyone takes that. a boring one. Always my AirPods, I can just shut off the world. So yeah, that's my kit. Oh, and sunglasses to cover my eye bags. <laughs> that really is it now. They, they are my essentials. That's now done. <laughs> that's the essentials, everyone. Exactly. And I've, I've, I've got to ask, because this is, this is something interesting. I was asking a lot of people what their song would be on their playlist. You're a Swifty fan and you you, you enjoy a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But I've got to ask, now that you show me your Kindle, what book are you reading? Oh, Christ. I am reading. Fifty Shades of Grey? I don't imagine. Um, so I basically, and I, it translates to <laughs> well. I do like a lot of brilliant films and brilliant books. However, I mainly indulge in kind of like rom-coms. Um, and I really, like that translates to the books I'm reading as well. So this one's called Love at First Sight. Uh... I don't even know who the author is, it's that shit. But I just love a wrong, like an easy read. And you know when you start the book and you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen. She's going to end up with that guy that she met one time at that cafe and he's going to come back or whatever. And it's so obvious what the plot's going to be, but I love it. And they really keep me entertained. But I would say my favourite book is Eleanor Oliphant. It's completely fine. I've read that about four times. And I'm actually at a point now where I can reread that. I don't know if you've read that book, but that's like an example of a good book I've read just to make me seem less trashy. Um, but yeah, mainly just easy reads, especially if you're on a plane as well. You just want something easy, don't you? So that's yeah. what I'm reading. But I love it. I really fell out of reading for a while. Um, and then my some of my friends from home, some Southampton friends, got me that as a leaving gift, which was very generous and very kind. So it comes everywhere with me now. It's like my child. <laughs> the closest thing I have to a child, thank God. Well, no, uh, yes. No offense to you. For the as far as you're aware, I mean, I don't know. As no, far as the listeners are aware. baby coming shortly. Um, <laughs> that is my baby, and you have your baby yeah. in your stomach. So, yes. 
all works well. Well, we'll compare notes in time. We'll compare <laughs> notes. Oh wait, amazing. <laughs> All right, Ellie. We're going to go into a bit more of a, de- a more of a deeper one. Now, one thing I really want to find out in this in this kind of revamp version of the podcast is trying to figure out what gets people moving, what gets people traveling. So, a lot of people talk about going abroad. A lot of people talk about running away, having a year abroad, going, getting married all aloof. You and obviously Jess kind of helped. Well, she helped nudge you in. You kind of did it on on a whim, and then it came around as being such a quick turnaround. But let yeah. me ask you this. What do you think, taking your experiences and maybe Jess's into account as well, what do you think t- takes the window shopper and turns them into a doer? Something that I've been saying a lot lately is what makes people get this conversation out of the group chat and into reality? Ah, as in me moving from the UK to Canada? Yeah. And I mean, how would you say it turns anyone from, you know, a WhatsApp bullshitter to an actual doer? That's great. Yeah, that's, you know what, that's a really good question. It's kind of funny to look back and analyze like, where was the point? And what was the thing that made you actually do it? Um, So let me think. So I applied for the visa, as I've already told you when I was like a little bit, a couple of glasses of wine deep somewhere at home. Um, Just because I think I'd had, I think I was a a bit of a bitter stage in my life, re kind of romance and relationships, I'd experienced some crappy stuff. And I think one evening I was just a bit annoyed about it for some, maybe I'd seen something on Instagram. Something had pissed me off basically. And I was like, why the fuck not? I'm just gonna apply. Like I don't even wanna be in London anymore. I was in a bit of a, you know, I wasn't sad as such, I was just a bit pissed off. and I applied for that. But then when I actually got it, because then I st- I applied thinking I'm not even going to take this if I get it. So I didn't even have that mindset. But the point where things changed was obviously when I got the visa and I then still, sorry, I got the invitation to apply. I still had the mindset of I probably won't even take it. I'll just do it anyway. Why not? Um, and then when I got it, I remember talking to Jess about it and kind of saying, oh, but I just wouldn't want to leave my family and friends. Like I freaked out a bit and was like, oh no, I don't actually think I can do it. Like the idea of that is terrifying, it's so far away. Um, and she kind of said to me, you know, you know, it's, it's a once in a lifetime experience, et cetera. Um, and like, you don't, you don't want to regret it if you don't go. And obviously like, they'll still, I think she said something like, they'll still be there when you're back or something. And I was like, no, you're right, you're right. And so I kind of went away and had a little think about it. And I think I had the same mindset slightly on it of, when I thought about moving to London, which was when I first thought about it, it really scared me and I freaked out and I was like, no, I can't actually do that. But then I thought to myself, if I've done X and Y, I can do this. So that was the mindset. So I think with London, it was more like if I can, you know, end a long-term relationship, which is a fucking scary thing to do. If I can end that and, you know, change my life overnight, then surely I can move to London and continue this, you know, this pattern of like, bettering myself and like testing myself and so I think I then just applied that same thinking to this and then I really thought to myself what is my reason like I have no reason not to do this and that I just remember thinking that and then I started saying it out loud to people and the more I just vocalized it and told people the more it was like every single different person I told it was more like solidified my decision so you know I told certain friends and then I told told family etc and it got to a point where like everyone was just chatting about it and I go to social occasions and people be like oh so when you go to Canada and every conversation I had just made it more deeper rooted that it was going to happen um so I think vocalizing things sometimes saying them out loud taking them as you said out of the group chat into real life situations and real people that you speak to every day 
um, who then will respond positively and support you. Again, everything, every little bit, like solidified my decision. So I think it was just really keeping myself in that mindset of like, what's the reason not to do this? And I couldn't think of any reason good enough to not do it, basically. So that was, it, it, it was a bit of a slow burner, um, but I just eventually just kind of, yeah, I, I, it was kind of, I nervously started telling people. Um, and then the more people I told, the more encouraging and their encouraging responses encouraged me to therefore, you know, continue and, and commit to it. And yeah, it's like you hear yourself saying stuff out loud and I'm like, oh, I'm moving to Canada. And I'd be like, and then in my internal me would be like, are you, you doing that? And then the more I said it, they'd be like, yeah, you're going to do that. You'll be fine. So it's like you build up the confidence slowly. And obviously no one sees yeah. that in your head. All they think is you're just having a conversation with them. But <laughs> yeah, like just this internal monologue, like these like angel and devil, like, you sure you want to do that? It's like, yeah, definitely. You'll be great. So yeah, the more you say it out loud, the more kind of, I don't know, you kind of hold yourself accountable a little bit, I guess, in a way. No, definitely. I, I think that that's probably the best way to say about it. Get it out of the internal monologue. Yeah. And say it out, out loud. Yeah. I romanticize a lot of things. I do live in my head a lot and have like, you know, amazing imagination. Um, and I'll always be a little bit like that. But yeah, actually taking out those thoughts and things you want to do. And it's the same with like the trips I want to do. Like I'll be like, I want to go to Montreal and then do this and that. And the fact I'm like, it's almost like, I hate the thought. There's like a manifestation, kind of like saying things. Like it's all about actions rather than just words. So I think you start with the words, but then the more I say it, the more I feel like I'm committed to doing it. And then I'll do my budgeting and I'll be like, I can actually do this trip if I budget X and Y. And I've started to do that for my next upcoming trip. So it's it's more about, yeah, just just not always just, as you said, talking about things. And we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of saying, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then life gets in the way. But it's good to commit to certain things because like I committed to Banff and I remember thinking, oh, it's quite expensive. Like that's probably going to, if I go over, over budget, that'll be a shame. But then I did it and I came back and I was like, that was one of the best things I've ever done ever which is why i say experiences that money is worth it for experiences is my wow. wisdom no. i'm gonna say there's probably no better way to end the podcast on that inspirational note of spend money because you'll become richer for the experience exactly exactly you might have to live off pot noodles but it's fine because you saw some mountains and you canoed on a lake so <laughs> yes it's all good well ellie <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back on the show. And I'm looking forward to having you on again and hearing more of your amazing journeys. Oh, you will do. I'm sure you will. Let's come back yeah. after Montreal. Yes. I'd love to hear more about Montreal. Yeah, so I'm going to say thank you again for, for doing your hair. Thank you for showing me the, um, the IKEA Airbnb and telling everyone a little bit more about your time away. And thank you so much for all your very insightful questions as always. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode out every week from new guests and even those from some returning to give us an update on their travels. If you'd like to be on the show to share your story, whether it was in the past, one you're halfway through, or maybe one that's about to begin, you can drop me a message on Instagram at Tales from Travelers. I'd love to hear your story and share it with those eager to listen and learn more about traveling. So until next time, happy travels. <laughs>